This is RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me in segments two and three of today's program is my special guest, Mr. Michael Pento. Many of you who are longtime listeners will recognize Michael as the host of the podcast, The Midweek Reality Check. Uh, He is also uh, the founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. I'll be talking with Michael about his forecast for the U.S. economy and financial markets. And let me remind you that I do have available a free report, a special report titled IRA Tax Management Strategies. If you have an IRA, if you have a 401k, a 403b, a 457, or any type of retirement account, I would encourage you to go to the website requestyourreport.com and let me know where to mail your copy of this report. Uh, The report contains some tax-saving strategies you might consider in light of current tax law. If you're not familiar, we have uh, a current tax code that uh, many of the provisions will sunset at the end of 2025, and there are some tax-saving strategies that relate especially to people with retirement accounts. So that's what the report's all about. If you have an IRA or 401k, I'd love to send it to you absolutely free. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. And when you go to that website, I'll also be happy to send you, along with the IRA Tax Management Strategies Report, a copy of my all-new for 2024 revenue sourcing book. So again, the website, requestyourreport.com. So speaking of the U.S. economy, which is it? We have stocks at or near all-time highs. Uh, it seems that the stock market is indicating that the economy is good. However, underneath the surface, it seems that the economic news may not be all that rosy. You're undoubtedly familiar with Gallup, the polling organization. Gallup recently conducted a poll that found that for only the third time in the last 20 years, Americans were largely not satisfied with their own lives. Only 47% of those polled by Gallup said they were highly satisfied with their own lives, which is only one percentage point higher than the all-time low recorded in 2011. Now, it's not all that surprising that when you dig in and look at the data, that the link between satisfaction of one's life and one's financial condition is pretty strong. I mean, after all, everybody wants to be happy, healthy, and reasonably prosperous. And if you're worrying about money incessantly, your life satisfaction obviously goes down. Now, previous low points in Americans' personal satisfaction have occurred when the economy was shaky. The 46% reading, 1% below the current 47%, as I mentioned, came in 2011 That's when the country was still muddling through the aftermath of the financial crisis. And the only other sub-50% satisfaction reading was during the financial crisis in December of 2008, during what is now known historically as the Great Recession. At that point, the percentage of Americans satisfied with their own lives was 47%, just like it is presently. So if we look at this as the mood of the country, as the sentiment of the populace, we find that people feel today, collectively, 
about like they felt in 2008 at the height of the financial crisis. Why is this? Well, there's a number of reasons for this potentially. The U.S. Labor Department reported recently that the American American family now spends 11% of their income on food. Now, when they released that statistic, the Labor Department also added that it hasn't been that high in 30 years. Now, the official statistics, the policymakers and politicians like to tout the fact that wage growth has outpaced inflation. But this statistic tells us otherwise, and the explanation for policymakers touting the fact that wage growth has outpaced inflation is that the actual official inflation rate, as reported by the Consumer Price Index, is fundamentally flawed, and it's adjusted for substitution by weightings and by hedonics. I've done radio programs programs on that in the past, but let's just say that food now costs more as a percentage of income, whether you're eating in or eating out, than it has in the last 30 years. Now, some of the responses that we've seen, for example, uh, the article that I just quoted was from MSN. Well, the person writing the article suggested that to cope, maybe consumers shift some of their eating habits and start to budget. The Wall Street Journal recently published a piece suggesting that consumers skip breakfast to save money. I have a different thought. How about a solid policy to get inflation under control? As I've previously stated, this really can't be done without the U.S. government operating with a balanced budget or at least much closer to a balanced budget. Now, in case you're of the mind that this can't be done, think again. The newly elected president of Argentina, after just one month in office, turned in uh, a balanced budget. He transformed a monster budget deficit into a surplus of $589 million. Now, this budget surplus did not come about pain-free. It never does. The newly elected president essentially tore apart many existing social programs, deciding that he would pull the proverbial Band-Aid off quickly. And while this is extremely painful short-term, so is the 250% inflation that the country was suffering under. Prior administrations in Argentina relied on currency devaluation, currency creation, if you will, and socialist policies to attempt to continue business as usual, and the result was predictable. It was stagflation. Inflation for consumer prices and economic contraction, a 250% inflation rate while the economy contracted. And yet, the newly elected president came in and said, look, it's not going to get better if we postpone this. It's going to get worse. Let's balance the budget now. I certainly hope U.S. policymakers are looking on and taking notes. But I am digressing. If we dig in and look at the U.S. economy, 
We find the housing market is once again nearly frozen as interest rates on 30-year mortgages are now back up over 7%. Now, I'm going to talk to Michael Pinto in the next two segments about the housing market and get his forecast. But mortgage rates now creeping back up over 7% make these rates now higher than they have been in more than two months. Now, Wolf Richter of Wolf Street who I follow and does a lot of analysis in the housing market, had this to say. He said the relatively small increase in mortgage rates caused mortgage applications to replunge after they'd barely risen from the record lows going back to 1995. Mortgage applications to purchase a home plunged by 10% in the latest week from the prior week. That's according to the mortgage Uh, Bankers Association. Now, if you go back and take a look at where mortgage applications were uh, in 2022, 2021, 2019 compared to today, compared to 2022, presently mortgage applications are down 47%, compared to 2021, 42%, compared to 2019, 43%. So you might say that mortgage applications from just a few years ago are down by about half. That tells you that the mortgage market is freezing up the housing market. It also tells you that, in my view, we are likely going to see more easing from the Fed, contrary to the tough talk that we're hearing from them. Now, as I'm closing this segment, let me remind you that if you're just tuning in, you can go to requestyourreport.com and get your copy of my IRA tax management report. Uh, This is available for this week yet and this week only. And when you request that report by visiting the website requestyourreport.com, I'll also send you absolutely free a copy of my revenue sourcing book, which has been completely updated for calendar year 2024. The Revenue Sourcing Book contains a retirement planning strategy for the current economy. And uh, as I've been talking about in this segment, uh, the current economy is looking weaker and weaker. And I believe we're going to see a recession uh, move in. I believe it's inevitable. Uh, So you're going to want to have some strategies in place to deal with that. Uh, The package of information I'm offering at requestyourreport.com will certainly give you another perspective. So I'd encourage you to check that out. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Mr. Michael Pento. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Mr. Michael Pento. Uh, Michael is the founder and president of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more at his website, pentoport.com. He is also the host of the very popular podcast, Midweek Reality Check. You can go to pentoport.com and learn more about the podcast there as well. Michael, welcome back to the program. Always great to be on with you, Dennis. Well, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, too. Let's let's jump right in. Um, Michael, a lot of uh, insider selling going on in the stock market, I've noticed of late. Uh, do they know something maybe mainstream doesn't know? <laughs> well, you know, J.P., uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon just dumped some shares for the first time ever, um, and I think Jeff, Jeff Bezos is right behind there. You know, there's some research out there that shows that the 
ratio of insider selling to insider buying just at 150. Um, that's off the charts, Dennis. So um, while everybody's running around screaming about soft landings and um, Nirvana and um, puppy dogs and fairy tales, the truth of the matter is that the salient issues of debt and inflation and asset bubbles, they haven't gone away. They've gotten exponentially worse. And I will say this to you. The bank term funding program, which was the program, one of the alphabet soup programs that the Fed liked to launch, you know, like they had the TALF program and the, the TAMP and the, you know, um, the, the standing repo facility. You know, they have, they have all these words and acronyms that just stand for the same thing. I am going to print money out the wazoo. That's what these programs really stand for. <laughs> well, the bank term, well, the bank term funding program, which was enacted in March of 2023, not too long ago, Dennis, less than a year, coming up on a year now, that bailed out the entire financial system because the assets these, these banks held, which were mortgage-backed securities and treasuries, were underwater by a lot. And um, the bank came in, the central bank came in and printed $400 billion in two weeks. Well, that program expires March 11th of this year. So just a couple of days away now. And not too long after that, Dennis, the reverse repo facility, this is just think of this as a parking place of all of the money that was printed. Uh, the, the, the Fed printed about four and a half to five trillion dollars post-COVID. It was given to the banks. It's called Fed credit or high-powered money. It's part of the monetary base. That's why it's called high-powered money, Fed credit. And the excess of these reserves that the banks didn't really need, they parked it at the Fed. It was $2.5 trillion about a year ago. Now it's $500 billion. So it's running out quickly, but that's acted like a massive QE program to offset the QT program that's been going on, quantitative tightening. Those things are ending now. So the, the puppy dogs and fairy tales and the uh, porridge being just right, that BS is ending soon. And the reality of an insolvent nation, unfortunately, and the reality of massive asset bubbles in equities and real estate is going to start to come to the floor. And I think you're going to see some reality come very soon. So, Michael, a couple of follow-ups I want to, just based on what you said, a couple of follow-ups. First, um, Seems like there are now, uh, there's talk again of more banks on the ropes. New York Community Bank recently made some headlines. Um, was last year's uh, experience of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, you know, First Heartland, First Republic, uh, was that just the canary in the coal mine? Do we have more coming? Well, it's a great, it's a great question that you ask. So um, there's, a, there's a huge problem in the banking system. And as I said, they, they printed $400 billion in two weeks to bail out the banks. But the, the issues that were bothering banks of having um, the treasury yield go from 0.3% to 5.3% in a very quick period of time, in a year, that sent these assets that they own, mortgage-backed securities, okay, so mortgage-related debt and government bonds, massively underwater. So for a year, Dennis, these banks, 
you name you, you, the banks that went under, you name, but there's still many, 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 many more that are in deep, deep doo-doo, okay? They were able to take their assets, hand them off to the Fed. Let's say they were about 60, 70 cents on the dollar, sometimes even less than that. The Fed gave them money at full value. So if I had a treasury that was, you know, at par, issued at par, and it was worth, you know, uh, 60 cents on the dollar, I was able to get full value, par value for that bond or mortgage-backed security or treasury bond, and I was able to park it at the Fed for a year. Well, that's over March 11th. Now these banks, which are still failing, New York Community Bank just went under a few weeks ago. It had it was massive massive problems there. New York Community Bank. Um, those types of banks still have those issues, and when the bank, when the central bank hands back those assets to them, they're more underwater today than they were on, in March of 2023. So yes, the problem with New York Community Bank is not an idiosyncratic situation. New York Community Bank, by the way, is the seventh largest originator of mortgages in America. It's a huge problem for all regional banks. Well, you know, the regional bank index, the KRE, is down 60% in the last two years, Dennis. And if you, can you tell me uh, how healthy the American consumer can be and the real estate market can be? These banks, by the way, own about 70% of their assets are, are mortgage-related assets. Very big um, creators of mortgages. And, and you know, Michael, does healthy, it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. How healthy can these banks really be when their value has dropped by 60% in the last two years, even with the bank term funding program? So, Michael, when you look at what happened with this, this Fed's low interest rate, this artificially low interest rate environment, you had a lot of uh, you know, office building owners that, that refied, pulled their equity out. Uh, they got much lower interest rates. Now it seems like because of that policy, this crash could be a lot tougher than it otherwise would have been because these landlords really don't have the same skin in the game maybe that they had five or six years ago in many cases. You know, the problem in commercial real estate is, is, is one of the main problems with banks, but you also have credit card loans. You have collateralized loan obligations. You have auto loans. You have private credit, which has gone from basically zero in 2007 to $1.7 trillion today. You have these banks with but just check commercial real estate. You just mentioned they're suffering from, and we and everybody knows it. Uh, everybody knows that the issues are there. They have a very high vacancy rates, and they suffer from the same problem of spiking interest rates that regular mortgage-backed securities suffer from. So the disaster in the regional banking system is systemic. It was papered over. But those problems are now coming to the roost very, very soon. So, Michael, when, when you, you mentioned auto loans, you mentioned credit card debt. Uh, I think some of the research I did is that, you know, between 7 and 8% of all credit card debt and auto loan debt is now 90 days or more delinquent. Um, 
you know, th- th- this whole thing seems like it's just ready to implode. We've got, and we haven't even talked about government debt at this point. What do you want to, want to touch on? You let's just. I mean, this is very sad. The fiscal 2024 deficit is going to be around two trillion dollars. We're going to be paying one trillion dollars just in interest. Now, now, Dennis, for comparison's sake, so your listeners can understand how bad things have, how dire things have become. In 2007, which isn't too long ago, the year before the global financial crisis, our total deficit was $160 billion. <laughs> now the interest alone is a trillion. Hello? The total debt of the United States is 123% of GDP, $34 trillion. For reference, it was 60% of GDP in 2007, or $9 trillion. Total not, let's just talk now about the, the debt in the economy. Total non-financial debt as a percentage of GDP was 227% prior to the global financial crisis. It now stands at 263%. So we, we and, I, and I quote this debt both in nominal terms as a percentage and as a percentage of GDP to give you some kind of context. Because people say, well, you know, look at, look at how the economy has grown. So even as a percentage of the artificially goosed GDP – which was, why do I say artificial? Well, 10 of the last 14 years, interest rates were less than 1%. That inflated GDP. So even in context of GDP, these deficits and debt are unbelievable. Now, annual deficits increased by 200% in the last two recessions. So the U.S. is going to enter next, next recession from a position that is already insolvent, but it could reach $6 trillion of debt, $6 trillion trillion annual deficit in one year. If if you just slap a 5% interest rate on that, that means, Dennis, two-thirds of all the revenue that's coming into the coffers of the national government is going to be spent on interest. Okay? Very dire indeed. Well, can I give you one more just as and I'm not trying to yeah, scare please. people. I'm just this. This is reality. The United States is adding 42 percent of our national revenue to the debt every year, and the debt is 733 percent of revenue. Yes, we are unfortunately an insolvent nation. Think about that the next time you hear about puppy dogs and rainbows and soft landings. My guest today is Mr. Michael Pento. He is the host of the Midwest, Midwest, excuse me, Midweek Reality Check podcast. And uh, the website to learn more about his work and the podcast is pentoport.com. I'll continue my conversation with Mr. Michael Pento when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm chatting today with Mr. Michael Pento. He is the founder and president of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more about his work at pentoport.com. He's also the host of the very popular Midweek Reality Check podcast. And, uh, Michael, uh, before we jump back in uh, and get your uh, perspective on uh, financial markets, uh, let's the podcast. I'm sorry, you cut out for a second, Dennis, would you say? I am so sorry. I'd like you to tell the listeners a bit about your podcast, please, the Midweek okay. Reality Check. So, so yeah, um, it's a weekly podcast, comes out every Wednesday night, 
It costs $50 a year. And uh, there's a five-week free trial if you're so interested in um, giving it a, you know, kicking the tires on it. But I think it's very valuable for my clients who are, you know, I manage money for. And for people who, who don't really, um, either don't have the money or don't want to be with me. Because the value in it is that I actually go through from an economic and, 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 and market standpoint. Um, I give the salient data that has, that has been released each week that you need to know that's not promulgated on CNBS. In other <laughs> words, you know, this is, this is how a lot of mainstream financial media make their money from their advertising. And their advertising is, is who? It's, it's Wall Street, right? It's, it's Wall Street banks. So the game is rigged for them to portray uh, a condition of never-ending rainbows in the stock market and never-ending um, reality from all this debt and market manipulation and asset bubbles. It's in their best interest. So I take a look from a from a independent point of view because I can go long or short in my portfolio and I have done so and will do so in the future. Uh, I look at the salient data and analyze it accurately and let you have it so you can do your own analysis and make your own conclusions rather than just nonstop spin. It's like watching CNN and expecting to get a, a in-depth criticism of the current administration. And it's the same, 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 same would be true for Fox. Uh, so, you know, would Fox News do, do an in-depth um, report on how bad Republicans are? No. So I'm a libertarian. That's my political standpoint. But I don't come at this data from any other um, angle other than the truth, which is what you'll get here. So, Michael, in that vein, you quoted some stats at the end of the last segment regarding uh, U.S. government debt. Uh, you know, the numbers were just staggering when you stop and think about them and you really put those into a, a great perspective. Does it mean that moving ahead, the Fed's really going to have no choice but to go back to easing and currency creation? Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's the only thing they know how to do. You just you just punt and, uh, you know, deal with the inflation when it when it kicks in. Yeah, you know, Dennis, I find it remarkable. The answer to your question, short answer to your question is yes, but I always find it remarkable that um, the Fed has no choice. But they, I find it remarkable that they pretend that they're actually going to try to tighten monetary policy. <laughs> well, tightening, moneta- mon- tightening monetary policy kind of works when your when your level of debt is uh, serviceable, easily serviceable. But the statistics that I just quoted, I mean, when you have 733% outstanding debt in relation to your revenue, and when you're adding to that debt 42% of your yearly revenue, you're, you're, not, you're paying down the debt, you're, you're adding to the debt almost, you know, 40, almost, you know, it's not far from 50%. Think about it that way. I could easily, half of all of my, in, or half of all my income, I'm adding to the debt every year as an annual deficit. So yes, they're going to have to print. But they, they go through these iterations of pretending, and this time that Fed was forced to pretend, that it had to pretend, because inflation went from you know, below their asinine 2% target to 
9% the way they count it, the government counts it, but in reality, it was closer to 20% inflation, annualized CPI. I mean, I was looking at some statistics the other day. That, you know, the price of eggs is, I, I, you know, I was, orange juice was 46%. Eggs was like 70%. Um, the cost of, of insurance is up 40%. And these year-over-year since, you know, forget about that. Let's just talk I, briefly. I know I'm rambling, but the housing bubble. I, I touched that in the first se- segment. Um, well, housing is, is, is unaffordable now for most Americans, uh, initial first-time buyers. But when you add in the cost of insurance and the, the, the higher interest rates with your mortgage, it, you know, the home prices are out of reach, completely out of reach. And, and the Fed is to blame here, but they claim to be in favor of the, you know, why do we do what we do? Why is the Fed in place? To protect the poor and to protect the middle class. And Dennis, it's the exact opposite. We wouldn't have a home price to income ratio of 5.5. Home prices going up 20% per annum if it wasn't for a central bank that just destroys and dilutes the, the outstanding stock of money on a regular basis. So, Michael, what do you see as the end game here? Do you see that we go into a hyperinflationary type depression? Do you think we get a libertarian leader like we just saw elected in Argentina that just blows up all the social programs and says, look, we're <laughs> going to pull the Band-Aids off quickly. We're going to have a surplus. It's going to hurt. But 250% inflation hurts, too. Well, which way do we go here? Well, you're going to have both at different times. That's the um, the genesis of my model, the inflation, deflation, and economic cycle model. So we had rapid inflation. My model predicted that, and we understood it. Um, now, then we went to a period of disinflation. Now we're, we are in a very short, truncated period of reflation. I think it lasts for another month or two. And then we're going to go back into disinflation and then outright deflation. But here's the thing you can't have happen. When we talked about banks in the first segment, banks are loaded to the gills with mortgage-backed securities and treasuries and, and corporate debt and collateralized loan obligations, and the, the shadow banking system, which is responsible for private credit, which you talked about in the last segment, $1.7 trillion of private credit. It used to be zero prior to the global financial crisis. What, what's private credit? Those are loans to businesses that can't get access to uh, the, 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 the uh, credit bond market, and they can't get loans from a bank. I mean, these are really risky loans. Uh, you can't have a deflationary depression like we had in, in the 1930s and come out of it quickly. It's just an untenable situation. You're going to have, you, you, it's not going to be a, you know, uh, a steep recession or a mild depression that lasts for a few years and you let you rip, like you said, rip the bandaid off and come out smiling like roses. It's going to be the worst depression we have ever seen in this nation. That's what's needed to reconcile these imbalances. I'll give you another another statistic. The total market cap of equities is 185% of underlying GDP. Now, for reference, before the Great Depression started, it was 130% of GDP. So um, 
if you have a, a real economy where asset prices fall to a level that can be supported by the free market, where you have debt deflation, people defaulting on their debt to bring down the, the, the amount of leverage in the economy, it's not going to be some you know, uh, fly-by-night, truncated uh, period of, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, I lost my job, but I got two part-time jobs, and I'm, I'm kind of doing okay. It's going to be an absolute decimation of this economy. And that's why the Fed can't ever allow, and the Treasury can't and won't ever allow it to happen. They will have no choice. So as we wax into this deflationary recession slash depression, the, init the, the, the um, initial stages of it, the incipient stages of it, you'll, you'll see them come to the rescue again with more alphabet soup. They'll stop quantitative tightening. They'll engage in QE. They'll go back to zero in straight policies. And then, and here's the, here's the issue. And, and, and people say, well, oh, well, then this will be great. Dennis, it's okay to go back to the old playbook of ZERP and QE and helicopter money when there's no inflation. In other words, when getting to 2% inflation was your problem. Cool. I'll put that in quotes. You can't see me, but it's in quotes. You can't do that when you just finished coming off of the worst inflationary problem we have ever seen in this country. You can't do it. Because people will lose faith in the bond market. And long-term interest rates will rise instead of fall. That's the real danger. And in that case, the normal hearing, healing process of an economy, which is falling interest rates, you know, lower borrowing costs as people default on their debt. Guess what? That goes away. That there's no, there's no healing process. It's just a runaway yield on the long end of the bond market, which means you're not going to get any healing in the housing market, affordability construct. So uh, what I'm trying to say, unfortunately, is that since, you've, since we have, as a country have completely abandoned free markets, and it's not just us, it's China, it's Japan, it's Europe. Since we have abandoned free markets for so many decades now, there's going to be a problem. It's going to be severe. There's no easy way around it. And you have to actively navigate your portfolio and your investments to make sure you survive and thrive in this current uh, and the coming chaos. Well, the clock says, Michael, we're gonna have to stop there. My guest today has been Mr. Michael Pento. He is the founder and president of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more at pentoport.com. And I would encourage you to check out the Midweek Reality Check podcast that he hosts. You can get more information at pentoport.com. Check it out for free. So, Michael, thank you for joining us today. Love to have you back down the road. Thank you, Dennis. Look forward to it. We will return after these words. This is RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. And thanks again to my special guest today, Mr. Michael Pento, for joining me on today's program. If you haven't yet requested the IRA Tax Management Report, I would consider this report to be must-reading for anyone with an IRA or 401k or 403b or 457 plan. If you have money in a retirement account, you'll want to get this report that outlines some tax-saving strategies that you might consider for your situation. You can get the report by visiting requestyourreport.com. 
And when you do request the report, I'll be glad to send you my updated revenue sourcing book for 2024. The box of information will come to you absolutely free and with no obligation. Again, visit the website requestyourreport.com and let us know where to mail the information to you. Now, as I was talking about with Michael Pinto in the last couple segments, and as I discussed in the first segment, despite the fact that stocks have been making new highs and remain at near all-time highs, it seems that the economic news is not all that great. We talked about the fact that there has been a lot of insider selling. Jeff Bezos, who uh, is the founder of Amazon, sold about $4 billion in Amazon stock. Uh, Jamie Dimon, who is the uh, CEO of uh, Chase, uh, sold, I think, 822,000 shares of stock, something like that. So we're seeing Zuckerberg, we're seeing a lot of insiders sell stock. Now, does that mean anything? Well, maybe, maybe not. But if you take a look at corporations, corporations are cutting costs. Corporations are now laying off a lot of their workforce. Michael Snyder reported on this. Twitch laid off 35% of their workforce. Roomba, 31% of their workforce. Keep in mind, these are layoffs just since the first of the year. Hasbro, 20% of their workforce. The LA Times, 20% of the workforce. Spotify, 17%. Levi's, 15%. Qualtrics, 14%. Wayfair, 13%. Duolingo, 10%. The Washington Post, 10%. Pixar even laid off 1,300 employees. Citigroup, 20,000 employees. And even UPS uh, that offered the... uh, Fat contract to their drivers not long ago laid off 2% of their workforce. Now, there are many, many more. Snyder makes a really interesting observation. He said the last time layoffs of this magnitude happened was in 2008 and 2009 during the financial crisis and recession. Now, keep in mind that I opened the first segment today talking about a Gallup poll that found that Americans, for only the third time in history, had less than half of Americans highly satisfied with their own lives. And the last time this the numbers were this low were in 2011 and 2008, about the time of the financial crisis. Now, regional banks, I talked about this with uh, Michael Pento today. Regional banks may also be on the ropes. Many of you are familiar with the TV program Shark Tank. One of the stars of Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful, had this to say recently about regional banks in an op-ed that he wrote for the UK publication Daily Mail. And I quote Mr. O'Leary here, quote, regional banks are doomed. That's That's not necessarily a bad thing if you're prepared for it. It's been almost a year since Silicon Valley Bank collapsed in March, the victim of idiotic management. But the sobering reality is the small banking crisis is far from over. In the next three to five years, thousands more regional institutions will fail. That's why I don't have a dime invested in a single one, end quote. And that is from, again, Mr. Kevin O'Leary, star of Shark Tank. 
certainly when you look at the exposure that a lot of these banks have to commercial real estate, which is a point that I brought up with my guest today, uh, Mr. Michael Pento, uh, and you take a look at the current state of the commercial real estate market, Mr. O'Leary probably has a point. Now, Morningstar recently published this on commercial real estate loans. And again, I am quoting, property owners pocketed billions of dollars by refinancing properties when rates were low. They aren't going to throw it away now. First goes the easy money, then come the defaults, especially when property owners have already cashed out. Investors are bracing for 2024 to be pretty gloomy in the U.S. commercial real estate market, with more landlords expected to throw in the towel on downtrodden buildings with debt coming due. So we have Americans that are largely not satisfied with their lives. Less than 50% of Americans are not satisfied with their lives, according to a Gallup poll. We've got massive corporate layoffs. We have insider selling. We have um, food prices consuming 11% of the average American's income. We have a frozen housing market, and we've got regional banks on the ropes. There is no shortage of potential economic storm clouds on the horizon. If you aspire to a comfortable, stress-free retirement, you need to plan accordingly. The day may be fast approaching when traditional planning strategies fail those who use them. Now, one of the things you can do is get the Revenue Sourcing Book, which has been updated for 2024. Again, you can do that by visiting the website, requestyourreport.com. The Revenue Sourcing Strategy is designed for the current economy and designed for the inevitable inflation followed by deflation cycle. Uh, which I talked today uh, with Michael Pento about. Uh, You'll also get, when you request this month's information, the book, but along with the book, you'll get the IRA Tax Management Report. Uh, This, as I said, is must-reading for anyone with a retirement account. It's all yours by visiting the website, requestyourreport.com. And let me also remind you that we do have at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com a lot of free resources. There is the weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter that I write that's available at, again, retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Every Monday at noon, I do a headline roundup alternative newscast. It's a half hour. You can participate live or uh, they are recorded and those headline roundup newscasts are posted on the retirementlifestyleadvocates.com website. Uh, you can go there to visit that. And also the podcast version of this radio program is available at that website. So a lot of free information available at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. I'd encourage you to check that out as well. That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use. Thanks again to my special guest today, Mr. Michael Pento, for joining us. I'll be back again next week. Have a good week.